This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. We are back. Five on Three, WFUV's NHL podcast today, Thursday, March 10th, 2022. Todd Mooney, Samantha Borer, I'm Chris Hennessy. Um, how we doing, everybody? You know, trekking through it. It's um, forty-eight hours till spring break, or twenty-four hours till spring break. Thank God, because if it was an hour longer, I think it might be the end. <laughs> so like, we're doing okay. Yeah, we're doing great. We're almost there. We're almost there. Today's. I'm not honestly. Tomorrow really doesn't even count as a day for me. I had two midterms today, Ooh. and I got a, an un quizino in my Italian class today. There it so is. He's prepared. This, this is this is a tough day for me, but. At 6.45 today when I finish my final midterm, I unofficially will be in spring break, so I, yeah. I'm, we're almost there. We're almost there. And at 8 o'clock tonight, your team will be playing in St. Louis, uh, and we'll start with the New York Rangers, who put together one of the worst performances of their very successful season out in Minnesota. Uh, 5-2 loss. Alex Georgiev was the goalie, and he was atrocious. Um, I... You know, we talked about this a lot earlier in the season, where it's if Igor gets hurt, this team is screwed, which is true for every single team in all the sports. If your best player isn't playing, you probably aren't going to win. Uh, and Igor is their best player, Tyler. And does we talked about it where, you know, are they in the market for a backup goalie? They were at the beginning of the season. Then when Igor got hurt, Georgiev was pretty good, so then they weren't. Do you see them as back in the market for a backup goalie now after a, a horrible game against Minnesota? Uh, man, it's tough. I mean, obviously, when you're comparing, you know, the backup goalie to Shesterkin, no one is expecting Georgiev to do anything close to what Shesterkin is doing this year. But the last, you know, I think it's his last four or five games, he's got a save percentage in like the 880s or something like that. He just has not been anywhere close to what you would expect from a backup goalie. And I don't know if, I don't know if they go get a backup just because. You have seen the larger body of work from Georgiev, and it has been you know, better than what we've seen now. And there are also so many other needs, I think, that this Rangers team has. So I think, you know, backup goalie, maybe if a deal falls into your lap, you make a move, but otherwise you probably ride with Georgiev. Um, you know, looking into this last month of the season, it would have been nice, you know, maybe playing Georgiev a little more, playing Shesterkin less, just so you can rest Igor for the playoffs, but... Right now, I, I don't really know if you can do that just because it's pr- much as, it's pretty simple. Like When Georgiev plays, I really have no confidence that the Rangers are going to win right now, regardless of who they're playing, <laughs> especially if they're playing a good team. And if you look at the standings, the way things are shaping up, it looks like it's going to be the Rangers in Pittsburgh fighting it out for home ice advantage in the first round, and every single point is going to matter. So I don't know if the Rangers can really afford to give Shesterkin, you know, a f- game here, a game there off when... Every single point is going to matter in this race with the Penguins, and right now Georgiev is—he's just not getting it done. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's what like twenty something left games left in the season, like twenty four, I think, was something I saw earlier. Yeah, around that, something like that. And like you said, I—it's uh, hard though because you want to give him time. You want Igor to be rested going into the playoffs. You want him to be able to come in with full force in that first round, especially if they're going to be playing Pittsburgh, because you know Pittsburgh's going to want, especially if they're at home. The Penguins are going to be there. I don't know. I think it's hard. I, Gorgiev's boasting currently like a .893 save percentage, a 3.15 goals against average, which is not good. No, it's, not, <laughs> it's not good enough. It's, it's just not. No, it's just not, especially when you're backing up this team. They, obviously, they do have some issues that they're going to need to fix within the roster itself and maybe at the straight deadline. We'll see. But 
I think when you're backing up a team that potentially has all the pieces to make a deep playoff run and you're the weakest link, it's hard. I don't know if they should be in the market for a backup goalie. I think that, like Tyler said, there are other things that they do need to fix. But can you also count on Igor to carry you through the entirety of the playoffs? If he does get hurt, if he does get sick, if he does get taken out, they're, for all intents and purposes, completely screwed. If you put Gorgiev in against a playoff team, they are completely screwed. So, I don't know. I think that it's not something that they should completely shut down right now. I don't think they should just be like, well, we've got him good enough. I think that they should keep shopping, but I think it'll all come down to priority for the team. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that they should go out and get a backup goalie because they have 25 games left and you have the playoffs. And once the playoffs start, Georgiev's not going to see the ice unless there's an injury or it's a blowout um, one way or another. And 25 games, you know, maybe he plays seven and, you know, you go two and five, three and four. Okay, that's not great, but... At the end of the day, the eight playoff teams are locked in. You're not going to fall out of the playoffs unless Columbus goes on some unprecedented heater that catches them up to the 13-point difference that they are between them and Washington right now, which I don't see from Columbus. I don't think Columbus is particularly good. Um, so I, I don't see the need. I, you know, As we've talked about before, I do see the need for uh, a Tomas Hurdle or a, a Philip Forsberg, if that's a possibility, or a Mark Scheifele or a JT Miller, but... I, I don't see the need for, for this backup goalie. That being said, there are, I think, having this backup goalie that's human, which Shesterkin is not uh, at this rate, <laughs> shows that there are some flaws in this team that can be hidden by Igor Shesterkin. I think that's what you saw against Minnesota. Like, their penalty kill was not very good. They gave up that goal, that power play goal. They did score a penalty kill goal, which was you know, a weird situation. But then they gave up that that goal right away, and they couldn't hold on to that lead that they got from that goal. And it was a tough, tough look. I'm trying to find a stat right now for their record against um, playoff teams. Here it is. After tonight's loss to Minnesota, the Rangers are 12-14-2 against current playoff teams. Four of those wins were after regulation. They've been outscored 84-66. to They are 8-6-1 in regulation with Shesterkin. They're 12-6-1 with Shesterkin. 0-8-1 without Shesterkin um, in those games. So <laughs> at this point, you can't play Georgiev against good teams, and you can't play him in the playoffs. Now, if you want to subscribe to the 2017 Penguins theory or the current Islanders theory that you need two goalies who can win you Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals to win a Stanley Cup, great. But if you want to subscribe to the Jordan Binnington theory of one guy can carry us to a Stanley Cup, then you're set. I don't know which way I go. I still think I Sometimes I think you need two goalies, but when your goalie is 940, you don't need two goalies. Right, that's what yeah, Jordan Binnington exactly. was. He was nine forty. What do you need two goalies for? Exactly. Generally, I would probably the way the game's going lean towards the two goalie method as well. But when you have a guy in net who's literally having one of the best goaltender statistically wise, statistically ever. speaking, seasons ever. Yeah, I mean, you just gotta ride him. He's the Rangers will go as far as Igor Shesterkin takes them. That's it's pretty simple, and I think it's pretty obvious at this point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I saw something on Instagram the other day that was some stat comparing him to Henrik Lundqvist, who, as we know, is like Rangers legend. Oh, comparing him not only to Henrik Lundqvist, but to the Henrik Lundqvist season. Yes, when he was yes, when he was the Vesna, yeah. yes, when he was the Vesna winner. Comparing it, and Igor's stats are currently better than that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, that is um, just shocking to see. First of all, well, not really because Igor's crazy good, 
But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I agree. I think the two goalie method is smart at this point because it is tiring. It is hard. We see that all the time, especially if your team is not the youngest team ever. People are going to get tired. You're going to need a little bit more help on that back end. But I don't know. If he's got that save percentage, he can he can do it. God forbid that man gets hurt. They'll be fine with just Igor. They don't have a back-to-back until the 29th and 30th of March, mm. uh, which is huge. In Between now and the end of March, they play uh, the Islanders, New Jersey, Buffalo, and Detroit. So that's going to help as well keep the keep Ewers low lower while also just playing him in the big games, which come against Tampa Bay and Carolina. Oh, they have a back-to-back Tampa, Carolina, on the 19th and 20th. My apologies. So they do have two back-to-backs in March. Um so he might have to play one of those games, which is basically a loss at that point. But um, I, I do think that they are in good position, and we're going to transition, but to to a similar conversation. Igor Shosturkin has had an absolutely incredible season. We know that um, he is a runaway for the Vesna, unless something insane happens with Jacob Markstrom uh, with a one nine three goals against average and a nine forty two save percentage. The question has been raised over the past few weeks, and obviously we don't have to vote for the awards now, but we are getting close to that time. Whether it should be the Hart Trophy should go to Igor Shosturkin, who, as you mentioned, is having one of the great seasons a goaltender has had in the cap era, up there with the Hart Trophy season Carey Price had, or to the best skater, which is Austin Matthews, who has 43 goals. He had a hat-trick the other night again. He is on fire. He will get to 50 uh, he only has seven goals to go with two months left in the way this guy is going. He could easily get to 55. This is obviously an interesting conversation that I think you can... I have some ideas on how to eliminate this conversation from the book. To me right now, it's Austin Matthews. Uh, but I Igor is number two. So, Tyler, if you have a vote, are you voting for Austin or Igor and why? I'll be honest. I have no idea. I go back on this every single time. Because <laughs> every day it changes. Every single yeah. every single day it changes. In a, a month ago, a month and a half ago, the Hart Trophy race was wide open, but now it seems like these two guys have vaulted themselves to the head of the pack. I mean, I think there's a few factors here. One, if one of these two teams, either the Rangers or the Maple Leafs, can go on a really nice run at the end of the season and maybe get a division title, I think that would cement the award for the guy on that team, assuming they keep up the level of play they have. Honestly, doesn't look like that's probably going to happen for either of them. I don't think the Rangers are catching Carolina, and I don't think Toronto's catching. I believe Tampa is in first, or it might be Florida. Whoever but it is. Whoever it is, I don't think the Leafs are catching them. Because their goalie just got hurt. It's mm. Yeah, that is true. Jack Campbell did just get hurt. It's so difficult to compare the two as well because it's completely different positions. Normally when you have a Hart Trophy debate – the goaltender is almost entirely never involved in it, and you can compare similar stats for the same players. But what each of these guys are doing is just, it's its honestly, we haven't seen it in maybe even our lifetimes, at least the three of us sitting in this room. I mean, Shesterkin, one of two goalies all time with a 940 save percentage, and I believe it was his thir- first 37 or 38 games. Matthews is on pace for like 64 goals right now. So, I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. And the thing with Matthews as well, he's not just doing it on the offensive side of the puck. He has elite defensive numbers this season as well. I think Igor's impact is a little easier to see, if that makes sense, just because he is the goalie and, like, it always comes down to the goalie. So when a goalie steals a game, it's going to be a little bit more obvious than if, like, a forward steals a game. But um, I don't want to, like, cop out, but I honestly have no idea. I, I also feel like... 
I'm not, I don't feel like, I know I'm biased. I know that <laughs> I want Igor to win. So I feel like I'm probably not the best person to come out and say it. Like, if it's going to be close, I'm obviously going to go Igor. And it is so close right now. So I think this award is honestly not going to get decided. And I think we could literally be in the last five, six games of the season, and it's still right up there. And it could come down to one of these two guys having, like, an insane performance in the last week and really vaulting them ahead. But it's going to be a really close vote, that's for sure. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I, I kind of feel similarly. I don't really know if I have the uh, authority to grant myself a vote in this race. Um, <laughs> but I totally agree with what you said about the impacts being easier to see. Of course, like you said, if it is the goalie, if it is all that, that's a lot easier to measure. I feel like there's, dare I say, less factors into what makes a good game for the goalie. It's did you make the saves? Did you not? You know, did you have those highlight saves? Did you not? How many goals did you let in for a forward, for a defenseman, for whomever? I feel like it's so much harder to measure the full picture of all of that. I, I'm i almost inclined to say it's going to be Matthews. Like we said, Shesterkin's a runaway for the Vesnia. Matthews has, I mean, he's got 75 points this season, which is just a bananas number. He has 43 goals and 32 assists, which is just insane. Um, yeah, I don't know. Austin Matthews is a killer. I think he looks fantastic on the ice. He looks solid on his skates. Barring him getting hurt, I think it's going to go to Matthews. I think he's had such an insane season. I think that he's been such a key part of the Maple Leafs this season and of being as successful as they are. I think without him, they would not be nearly as good as they are, even though they do have some other great players. He is the key player for that team. If I had to cast a vote, it would go to Matthews. Would I like it to go to Igor? Yes. Do I think that if it comes down to it right now, maybe it would go to Matthews, all things considered. So I think when you look at this, you have to compare it to the Carey Price season because it's one of the few heart trophies, as you mentioned, in our lifetime that a goaltender has won. Jose Theodore won one in the 2000s, and I think there's another one somewhere in there. But um, Carey Price had one of the best seasons uh, a goalie has had in the cap era. He had a 933 and a 196, which Igor is on pace to better. But he played in 66 games. Igor is only on pace to play in 52. And... He had 44 wins. Igor is on pace to win about 40. So I think that does matter. Um, obviously, Shosturkin got hurt, which which is what impacts that, because as we just mentioned, if it were up to Gallant, he'd be in the game every single day, but that's just not how goaltending works, and he did unfortunately get hurt. Um, it comes down to me. I would vote for Austin Matthews, personally. I think he's having an incredible season and deserves it, but if we're talking about... Think about what we just said before, and I said it with unintentionally, and I realize it now. You said, well, what about if one of them wins a division title? That would probably help. and then, But they're probably not going to. And I said yes for Toronto because their goalie just got hurt. Which makes Jack Campbell extremely valuable to that team, even though he's been terrible since Christmas. But, so by that logic, the goalie should win the MVP every single year. Which I kind of do agree with. But... I, I the solution to me is simple. It's you have the Norris Trophy for the best defenseman, most outstanding defenseman. You have the Vesna Trophy for most outstanding goaltender, and then you have the fill in the blank trophy for most outstanding forward: the Wayne Gretzky Trophy, the Mario Lemieux Trophy, the Gordy Howe Trophy, whatever you want to call it, um, for the most outstanding forward. And then one of those three guys wins the heart, and this is like, oh, this is the best out of those three. That, to me, seems the easier way to do this because it's just impossible to compare these two guys right now. They're both having incredible seasons. They both deserve MVP nods and the Vesna Trophy, and Austin Matthews will probably get the Ted Lindsay. I 
to like that seems like a very simple answer to me. Um, maybe it's too simple for the NHL. I don't know. Um, <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah, <laughs> but like that that year that Price won the Hart. He also was an All Star. Obviously, won the Jennings, won the Ted Lindsay, and won the Vesna, which is preposterous. And I don't think Igor is going to do that this year just because of how good Austin Matthews has been. I think that was the year also that that Jamie Ben won the Art Ross with like eighty one points. Which is also something you have to in- include in this too. Is there was not a team with a unreal fifty-five goal yeah. score? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Jamie Ben with eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. The person who came behind Price in the Hart voting was Ovechkin with fifty-three goals, and Matthews is the way he's playing right now. Looks like he's probably going to blow by that total. Who probably that be was close the year to that 60. Tavares came in second for the Art Ross. Tavares Tavares had eighty-six points that yeah. year. Jamie so, Ben yeah. scored scored an empty net goal. And assisted on a goal with like five seconds left in the game to win the Art Ross. I'm not happy. <laughs> Anyways, continue. You didn't ask. But yeah, I mean, in terms of like, I agree with what you said that if you want to take it in a literal sense, most valuable player, the goalies, yeah. the goalie should win. But I think that's just a thing in all sports MVP votings. The it's never actually taken like as most valuable player to the team. It's just who is the best player that year. Because if it was actually the most valuable player to their team. I think the list of MVPs in all leagues would probably look drastically right. different. LeBron would have 15 MVPs. LeBron would have yeah. won them like every single year. <laughs> McDavid would probably win them most years. Say that again? There would be a goalie every year in the NHL. Yeah, yeah. yeah or McDavid. Yeah. Maybe not yeah. in the last two years since Drysaddle's gotten really good, but at least no. in his Brady first. would have won every year. Yeah. Yes. And who cares about baseball? So, yeah, so honestly. So true. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I don't. Mm, I don't know. I agree. If it was really MVP, it'd be a goalie every year, but it's not. And I think part of it is also who's the flashiest. As much as we hate to admit it, is it is who's the flashiest, who's the funnest. And you know what? Well, that was true. Nobody would win the award. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's fun to watch <laughs> Austin Matthews, Matthews play. Matthews, Matthews is it's very so fun, fun to is, watch him play. Is. Even when I'd be at like. <laughs> At the Devils games that I'd be at, I was like, you know what? I don't know how this is going to go for my boys from Jersey, but you know what? At least I get to see Austin Matthews play tonight. Mm-hmm. Same thing when I was in Colorado watching the Maple Leafs. I was like, you know what? I don't know how this is going to go, but at least I get to watch Austin Matthews because he's just fun. He's so, he's just one of those players that I just love to watch skate. He's just phenomenal, and he's good at what he does, evidently. So. He is. He is. He is. He's very good at what he does. Um, <laughs> scoring goals and a lot of them. Yes. Uh, as... It's an interesting conversation that we'll definitely continue to have as the season goes on. Um, we we have some newer news to get to, but I just, just want to mention that uh, the Coyotes scored nine goals in a game immediately after scoring eight goals in a game this weekend. I just wanted to put that out I'm there. I'm furious. Because <laughs> oh, it, Col- it happened against Colorado? No, it did oh, not okay. happen against Colorado, but I am just furious because I... Okay, we know I don't like the Blackhawks. Well, you know I don't like that organization. I also don't really like the Coyotes. And they're playing in the world's little rinky-dinkiest stadium, as we know. Not bad for a college campus, but like... What? You're telling me you're going to score nine goals after being relocated because the other team that you shared an event space with didn't want to share... I just that something about that yeah. is so spiteful. No, you're not wrong. And so the NHL is trying to get all the goals in while they're in actual <laughs> <Yeah>. NHL <laughs> arenas. While we care about them. The NHLPA has a problem with this now. I don't know if you saw that. It was kind of like a under the rug report. Like the oh, the NHLPA not happy with the Arizona State situation. It's like Ooh. wow. And the sky, the sky is blue. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Very much. And the sky is blue. It's like what are you going to do about it? Uh so we have so a signing 
to talk about. Rasmus Ristolainen and resigned with the Philadelphia Flyers. Five years, $5.1 million. He was a pending UFA. Could have gotten dealt at the trade deadline because Philadelphia is out of it this year. But the reason he wasn't is because he was traded for this past offseason for a first-round pick. Um, we now go to our Philadelphia Flyers correspondent, Tyler <laughs> Mooney, yeah. who's going to tell us why his friends don't care anymore. Well, they don't care because the Flyers are terrible. And, you know, when they made... I, I will start off with... I mean, I have not watched a ton of Flyers games this year, but from what I've heard and from what I understand, Ristolainen has actually not been as bad as you would expect. Now, I don't know if he's been you know good enough to throw all this money at him, especially since now there are reports that they might be open to dealing Travis Sanheim, who is, I think, far and away the asset you would rather have between him and Ristolainen. But, you know, I'm trying to make this sound like a little bit better for Philly. I guess five by five. It's not It's not like you threw. There was reports that he turned down a six by, I think it was like six by six point three or something like that. Yeah, that was the report. Which it looked like then he was going to ask for upwards of seven. And I was like, oh man, if the Flyers sign him, if anyone signs Rasmus Ristolainen to like a six by seven kind of deal, that's just a massive mistake. So I guess it look, look, coming off that and seeing that he only signed for five million is not too bad, but... That team, I I mean, there was a few episodes ago I think we talked about the Flyers. They just have so many holes. And I guess considering what they gave up to get him, I'm sure there was some pressure, especially from ownership, to re-sign him or if you weren't going to re-sign him to trade him for at least close to the assets that you gave up for him, which I don't think that was going to be realistic. So they felt like they needed to re-sign him. And they do get... Ryan Ellis back next year, which will help fill out their defense a little more because then Provorov will have someone better to play with. And assuming they still do have Sanheim, then, you know, your top four is starting to fill out a little bit better. And I do think Rasmus Ristolainen, if want to be honest, like if you put him in a bottom pairing role on a good team or maybe even the middle pairing, he's not that terrible of a defenseman. It's just when you put him on the top pairing like he was in Buffalo, he's he's not that good but you can't put can't a, handle that a five million dollar defenseman on the third pair that's yeah, not that how is, you spend 81 and a half million true. dollars yeah that's yeah. my issue with this is you're right rasmus versalina is not a bad third line defenseman he's not a bad even a terrible second line defenseman he's a horrible first pair defenseman and yeah in the market which i had i had a, like a mental breakdown about the darnell nurse and seth jones contracts as you might remember from the summer episodes but the market says that $5.1 million is a second-pair defenseman, which blows my mind in an $81.5 million mm-hmm. salary cap, but you can't you can't play him any higher than that. So he's now the second-most expensive defenseman on your on your roster, or third. Is he, does he get paid uh, more than more than Provorov? Mm, I believe Provorov is getting more. Okay, so he's the third-highest-paid yeah. defenseman to be your third-best defenseman. And honestly, he's probably going to need, if you're putting him on the second pair, he's probably going to need, you can't. He can't carry the second pair. No, Cam York can. He, yeah, yeah. So exactly. I don't know, Sam. I don't. I, I. I mean, I don't really have many thoughts on this. I think that Philly is bad. I think that this. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what I think. I think that Philly is bad. I think that it's a tough team to watch and to root for. And I've never really been their biggest fan. But <laughs> I think that five by five is a lot of money to throw at someone who's doesn't have that great of stats this year either. I mean, of course, it's his first season with a new team, new place, whatever. But, I mean, he has, like, 13 points this 
in like 49 games. Yeah, he's or not something. getting you points at all. Like that's not a great stat to have at all. Like I get he's a defenseman, but like we are in the age of hockey where you can't just be one thing. You have to be an offensive defenseman. Like that's kind of the way that the league is evolving is that you have to be multifaceted from those stats. He isn't that. I haven't seen him play a whole lot this year, not going to lie. But from those stats, he's not that. Five by five is a lot of money. I don't know. I was reading some stuff, and he said that he's glad to be staying in Philly. He's like, I had some options, but I just want to be here. I love this city, and I love the fan base. So you know what? Good for you, Rasmus. He loves you, Tyler. He loves you, Tyler. It's a great city. It's a great city. (laughs) Heck yeah. What do you think his favorite cheesesteak place is? And will that change your opinion on him? Well, I guess it would change my opinion on him. I mean, I would hope it would be D'Alessandro's if I'm going to plug my favorite cheesesteak place. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a lot of thoughts on him. I think next time I uh, have someone get in relatively close proximity, I'll have to ask them what his favorite cheesesteak place is because that's the hard-hitting news <laughs> I care about that, here. That's the big question. That's the big really. question. But, yeah, you know what? He said he likes Philly. He wants to stay in Philly. He loves the fan base. So, yeah, he said this year's not our year, but I think that it's only one year of bad. He said I think next year we'll be a lot better of a team. You know what? I hope for his sake that's true. He thinks he thinks he's a playoff. He's a, he's a defenseman built for the playoffs, which is funny because he has not even never once never, been in the playoffs. Not even wow. been in the playoffs. He's never sniffed the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, maybe 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 Philly will turn it around next year. Maybe they'll re-sign Claude Giroux. <laughs> I, okay, that was a really bold statement. You know what? Maybe they, they will, and maybe they won't. <laughs> maybe they won't, but maybe they will. Maybe uh, they will. You know what? If they re-sign Claude Giroux, I will. I'll do a flip. I don't know. Like I <laughs> if, just If you get a first and a second back for Drew on Monday, not next Monday, to the the mm-hmm. trade deadline. That would give you back the assets you lost for Rasmus Ristolainen. He was a first and a second and a defenseman. He's obviously a defenseman. Um so maybe that's how they're rationalizing this. Like, oh, we think we can get mm-hmm. a first and a second for Drew, so we'll just like say like, oh, we traded Claude Giroux for Rasmus Ristolainen, which is still a loss, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh we're going to play a game because there's really nothing going on this week and we have the trade deadline coming up. So, we I I wrote this game and when I said to you it was a tried and true classic, it means I just made it up. <laughs> and um we're going to hope this works. There's eight questions. Uh it's called trade deadline over under. I'm going to give you a number and a, a line. You have to tell me over or under. Uh it's pretty self-explanatory uh once we get started. Okay, so the Montreal Canadiens and the Arizona Coyotes combined have 24 2022 draft picks. Will they have over or under 27 and a half after the trade deadline? The Coyotes and the Canadians. The Coyotes and the Canadians. Will they add four draft picks? So will they add four? So I'm saying over because I think they're going to add four. I think they're going to get two for Sherratt, one for Kessel, and one for Lekkinen. So I, I'm going to say they get four plus plus a potential Chikrin deal. Plus mm-hmm. a Chikrin deal I'm, would blow this I'm out. I'm going of water. over four as well. I'm also going over. The a Chikrin deal obviously blows this out of the water because they could net four that by itself. That could be four itself, yeah. So depending on the team, obviously, because there's cap situations as well. Yeah. So I think I think it's an interesting one because Arizona could add seven or eight draft picks. They also, you know, when I just did that, they added one. You know, you obviously think they're going to want to add. Also, the Coyotes are notorious for taking on your team's worst player. Yeah, they for already draft did all. Picks. They have they have all the bad contracts. So. No bad contracts left. I'm sure they can find one. I'm done. They can sniff it. I out. don't think Edmonton's trading Darnell Nurse yet. I don't think that's, that's not for a couple more years. So don't worry about that. 
Um, I have all three local teams represented. We'll start with the New Jersey Devils. Will Woo. PK Subban make over or under $4,500,001 against the cap <laughs> on March 22nd? So the question is, will he have either A, his salary retained by at least the New Jersey Devils, or get full-on cut and sign for the veteran minimum with a team? Both of those are options. Both of those have been out there. I'm saying under. I think it's possible there's some double retention. I could see him in Toronto. I could see him going back to Nashville, which would be a ton of fun. Colorado, I don't necessarily think is a great option, but it's been rumored. I think he's not a devil, uh, so I'm going to say under. Mm, I don't know. I I think I've also got to say under. I don't think he's been producing what they want him to do this year. I think there have been some rumors swirling around in that press room about where he's going to end up. Obviously, nothing confirmed, but I've had a few people ask me what my opinions are, and these are people who have been in the league a lot longer than I have, so I trust their inklings a lot more than I trust my own. Um, I say under. Uh, yeah, he's, he's going somewhere else. I don't know where, but he's going somewhere else. Um, if he ends up in Colorado, I'll be baffled but you know what never say never in this league mooney um i'm just gonna go over to be different okay, i'll be honest yeah that's all i have to say okay <laughs> so he's so he's on the devils for nine i think he's dollars. on the devil nine yes, million dollars this is the last year in his contract right yeah, yeah. okay yeah i think, I he's think for there. nine yeah. million no way i think that they have okay sure he's <clears throat> he can be physical he's big he's a big man we know that yep. i think that they've got a core that they're looking to build upon that P.K. Subban maybe does not fit into the best. It's his last year with the Devils, regardless. Yeah, it's, it's just whether year. this is his last week or his last month. Well. Mm. <laughs> That's it. That's the only conversation. <laughs> oh, well. He's gone. He's going to ESPN yeah. next year, yeah. I have to guess. But, to uh, ESPN. Yeah, he, yep. he did great on their playoff coverage last year because the Devils weren't in the playoffs. Good for P.K. Um, okay, will Philip Forsberg have over or under 1.5 years under contract on March 22nd? So basically, will Philip Forsberg get an extension or not? I'm saying under, he will not get a contract extension. I think he's going to stay in Nashville, even, which is crazy. I think if I think Nashville should try and resign... Knock my mic off there. Uh, try to resign him as soon as possible. But to me, I think he's going to hold out until free agency and absolutely get the bag thrown at him this season, so, this offseason. So I'm saying under, and he'll be the number one free agent on the board on whatever this year's equivalent of July 1st is. Yeah, I'm going to go under as well. I'm pulling up the standings right now just to see exactly where Nashville's at so they're they are like right on the cusp they're right yeah they're right they're right behind the wild right ahead of the stars which that's going to be an amazing race to watch well, and, yeah. uh, Dallas just lost um Mira Heiskanen for an undefined amount of time due to uh the Sam Darnold disease uh myelonucleosis so th- that obviously is a huge factor in this as well where Nashville now is in the number one wild card spot, and they have a team behind them who just lost one of their best players mm-hmm. and could be a very big seller at the deadline as well. Yes. So uh, they're in, they're looking pretty good right now. And, you know, you talk about the Rangers riding their goalie. Talk about riding their goalie. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Um, I don't know. I feel like he's going to hold out to the end of the season and then become, like you said, biggest free agent on the market. Uh, I was just reading this little thing, and it says that the Predators GM admits that talks are fluid, but has, quote, nothing new. He says, quote, we've talked to Philip and his agency. We're going to try and talk to him again this week. It's business as normal. I'm not trying to trade him. I'm trying to sign him. Well, the thing about so... the Predators GM is it's David Poyle, who is 9,000 years old <laughs> and has never won a Stanley Cup. So you'd think he wants to keep as many pieces as he can to try and will this poorly built Predators team to a Stanley Cup. Obviously, get close with a well-built Predators team in 2016, but um, finally getting like at least a little bit closer to $8 million worth of 
um, output from Duchesne and Johansson has helped them a ton this season. Um, because like being a four million dollar player under an eight million dollar tag is being is better than being a one million dollar player, which is what they were in the years before. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think Philip Forsberg is a predator to stay. Um, but if he hits the open market, there are teams, including mine, who should be chomping at the bit to get this guy because he is a high profile, oh. high volume shooter, scoring winger who a lot of teams could certainly use, and Nashville will feel that feel that pain if they do lose him. Uh, we'll move on to the Rangers. This is number four. The Rangers currently have seven roster players, 23 or younger. That's Kako, Lafreniere, Schneider, Miller, Gettinger, 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 yeah. Barron, and Heedle. Will they have over or under five and a half roster players, 23 or younger? So basically, will they trade two of those seven players, or one or zero or more than two? I think it's under five and a half. I think they're going to trade two. I think they're going to go all in. I think they should go all in. I, I'm so I, I'm I'm now living through the 2018-19 Islanders season through the Rangers, where it's like you're getting Vesna goaltending in a season you didn't think you were going to be this good. Please God, go fix your problem so you can go win a. St- Obviously, I don't want the Rangers to win a Stanley Cup, but this is what I was saying three years ago, and I, was like, I feel Whoa, like we ought to get some support. I, no, of course not. I, I just feel like we're we're living through deja vu, uh, because it was much more unexpected with the Islanders, of course, but they didn't fix their problems. They got eliminated in the second round, and then they lost Devontae's, and they lost Jordan Iverly, and now here they are. I fear that that is the future for the Rangers if they don't go all out this year. I'm going to say, what was the number? Five and a half. And they have seven? They have seven. I'm going to go over. I think they'll trade maybe one of those guys because out of that group, I don't get injured and nobody pretty much. Yeah, and Morgan Barron is too. Yeah. So then Lafreniere is not getting traded. Schneider's not getting traded. Kako is 95% not getting traded. I've seen him like maybe linked to JT Miller. If they traded Kako for JT Miller, I would absolutely lose my mind. <laughs> so I think Heedle and Miller, you could maybe see one of them getting moved. I don't think you would see both of them. I don't know who the Rangers would trade for giving up both of those guys in the same move unless it's maybe a Tomas Hurdle. Or... The thing with Hurdle, though, is his value goes down. Because like there's, there's Miller, who's a good player with term, mm-hmm. and there's Hurdle, Who's a good player with, with no, no term. term, so they kind of like even out almost. Yeah, yeah, and then that I've seen some debates too. You know, you bring in Tomas Hurdle, then of course that makes the Ryan Strom question even that much. You can't lose both of those guys, right? Yeah, at the end of this year, you have to resign one of them. So who is it? Um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over. I think maybe one of those guys get traded, but I think the Rangers also have a lot of obviously a lot of picks, but they also have a lot of guys in the AHL like a Robertson, a Lundqvist. Now that Schneider has blossom to way more than I think at least I expect him to be so I think I think I'm gonna go over five and a half mm, okay I'm sorry to make you repeat the numbers again so it's seven players seven players will they have over more? or under five and a half mm, I'll say under I think they're gonna make some moves I'm gonna say under I think that they're not gonna trade Kako they're not gonna trade Schneider they're not gonna trade those people but like Heedle's really not been that productive this year I could see him going out the door um getting to I literally couldn't tell you a single thing about him I, I he's, he's, he's like he's Morgan big. Barron's clone he's big oh okay he's a giant person well I'm glad that he's a very big man um congratulations I still don't know who he is <laughs> you know he's just insignificant to me so I could see at least those two heading elsewhere if not more yeah 
I'm going to go under. I think that I think that they are going to make these trades. I think that they have people in the minors, like you said, and in the other affiliates that can step up if they need. I think that, like you said, Braden Schneider's been something more than an IMI, at least thought he would be for sure, scoring in his first ever NHL game. That was exciting, pulling a camel car. But, yeah, no, I'm going under. I think they'll trade it. I think they'll end up with, mm, I don't know. I'll say, I'll say they'll end up with five. Yeah, I'm saying under as well. I think Kako... I personally, as I said last week, would trade Capo Caco right now and not even think twice about it, no. but that's just me. Um, the Islanders have four players 34 or older, which is pathetic. Uh, do they, will they have over or under one and a half after the trade deadline? Those players are Cal Clutter, Bucks, Adano Char, Andy Green, and Zach Parise. I think they will have under. I think all three, I think Clutterbuck, Chara, and Green are all gone. People seem to want Chara. Clutterbuck has actual value if you retain 50% of the salary. And people seem to want Andy Green. And I think they're going to keep Zach Parise because I think Zach Parise wants to end his career with the Islanders. So I'm going to say under. I think they're going to full fire sale this whole this whole thing, except for the big guys, of course. Um, yeah, so I'm going to say under. I'm saying under. Same exact reasons. I think those three guys are gone. I don't have anything new to add. I will also say under and agree with you, too. <laughs> All right, this one's a little convoluted because the number's 11. So I'm going to name 11 players right now. <laughs> Seattle, I don't have to name all eleven players. Just are the are, the, are the are Seattle going to sell hard? They have eleven expiring contracts. Okay. Yarn Croc, Johansson, Appleton, Sheehan, Donato, Geeky, Blackwell, Giordano, Hayden, Fleury, Jeremy Lazan, and Carson Kuhlman. I, I set the number at eight and a half. I it should be way under. They should have two of those guys left. Appleton, Donato, and Geeky three. But I fear or Fleury and Geeky, not Donato. I fear that the number is going to be over or right at that and that Ron Francis has no idea what he's doing anymore because there's the Pierre, Pierre Lebrun's doing that like 32 GMs in 32 days before the trade deadline thing mm-hmm. right now and the Ron Francis one was like we might be buyers we might be sellers we also might like harbor cap space for draft picks it's like dude sell all the players oh. you took at the expansion draft like get them out of here I don't understand what you're doing. Use your cap space as a weapon, absolutely. But get these guys the heck out of here. Mark Giordano should not be a Kraken. Uh, Johansson, certainly. Yarn Croak. Uh, Sheehan. Like, these guys have to go. They have value. Get them out the door. I think it should be way, way under that number. The number was 8.5, right? And a half. Okay, yeah. I'm going under as well. Those three guys that you just named should all absolutely be gone. That would put you at 8, and they should probably sell, like you said, two or three more. So I'll go under. I'll also go under, yeah. I think I think Giordano's gone. I think that a lot of the players are gone. I think that Seattle has not quite had the season that they wanted to have. They haven't had the Vegas-style inaugural season that I think they were hoping for, and I love the Kraken, but they've got to make some changes. So, yeah, no, I think sell them. I think figure it out. Don't wait for the draft because that will be a mistake. Agreed. Agreed 100%. Cool. Wait for the draft. These guys are all going to be gone. They're going to leave because yeah. your team stinks. Um, two more. The average age of Edmonton's goalies is 36 which is um, Koskinen and Smith. If you add, add their ages divided by two, it's 36. Will the average age of Edmonton's goalies, excluding Stuart Skinner, be over or under or exactly 36 after the trade deadline? So are they going to trade for a goalie who's preferably a little bit younger, so not Marc-Andre Fleury? I was about to say, not Marc-Andre Fleury then. Well, if they trade Mike Smith for Marc-Andre Fleury, their average age would go down because he's the oldest goalie in the league. So I'm saying under because I think that they have to make a move. They have to trade Miko Koskin in a way. They have to get Zemian Varlamov in there. Now, Vegas, Robin Leonard's hurt again now, so Vegas is back in the mix. 
so that leaves Flurry open again. I don't know. I think it should. I think it's under, but uh, it's. I don't know. I don't know yeah, what they're gonna do. I'll go under too. I think. Uh, oh my God, what's his name from Columbus? Uh, Corpus Allo. Yeah, I think that would be an interesting move for. Yeah. Edmonton because Merzlikens has taken the starters. Yeah. In it. yeah. Hmm. I'll also go under. Yeah, I'm not gonna have an original thought here. I'll also say under. <laughs> <laughs> I think that if Varley ends up there, that'll be fascinating. I think he like has said, this modified no trade. Everybody's saying like, oh, he's not gonna wait for Edmonton. Why wouldn't he? Yeah, why Connor McDavid for two seasons? Why wouldn't you want to do that? I don't understand why he wouldn't wave. I think Varley's getting to the end of his rope. I think he's he's an old man. He's getting up there. You can feel it. Sorry, 34, dude. Thirty-four. But you know what? 32? He looks like he's older than that on the ice. Yeah. He looks like he's an old guy. So I'll say, if you want to play with these crazy all-star players for a while, then yep, get yourself to Edmonton, wave your claws, and figure it out, or else you're gonna be sad. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Uh, all right, last one's a very simple one. There were 17 trades on deadline A last year, over or under 17 and a half this year. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. So I'm saying under. Yeah, I'm going to go under too. I think we're going to see some trades maybe go down like in the days before. I mean, I guess we're only 11 days before now, so it's not as far. But like, for example, Claude Giroux, there, I believe his he's got his 1,000th game as a flyer coming up. I want to say it's like the 16th or the 17th. Okay. So they're gonna. It's well, like they're not gonna train him before that. They're gonna right. let him have his thousandth game, and then I think maybe like the day or like I, I think that would be his last day game after. as a flyer. Yeah, totally. I think that Chuck Fletcher is like getting deals in place now, so that when that game happens, obviously Drew has his no trade. He can go to Drew and be like, okay, here's what I have in place. What do you prefer? Yeah, agreed. Is that number on trade day? Was the I counted the. On trade days from midnight to midnight on the this on those twenty four yeah. hours, um, I will say. See, I'm inclined to say over just because I want to be contradictory here. Love it. Realistically, yeah, do I, I like think that. that'll happen? No, but I want to be. I want to be contradictory here. I want to say. I want to see some fire and a flurry of trades on that day. I want my phone to be blowing up from the Athletic and NHL. I make it happen. NHL, wait Agreed. until the last minute and then just go crazy. Speak it into existence. <laughs> Agreed. I like to manifest. Do you have to go? Yes. Okay. Bye, Tyler. <laughs> Sam has a great story to tell that you're going to have to listen to the podcast for. I will. Goodbye, yes. everyone. Okay. okay. Bye, Tyler. I do have a great story you to tell. You do have a great story to tell. So Sam uh, is obviously a Colorado Avalanche fan. She pulled a triple header this weekend. I she did. stepped in for us. Um, covering the Colorado game on Monday against the Islanders. You had St. Louis on Sunday for the Devils, and then Colorado again for Tuesday. Um, obviously, the most famous Colorado Avalanche of all time is now the general manager, and um, you met him. I did meet him. Okay, so here's the tale, everybody. <laughs> so I was in... <laughs> Tyler's laughing at me. <laughs> I was in the press level, as one does, and uh, we're on the press level, rather. And I'm sitting there, and I'm talking to this reporter who I have befriended there. His name is Ashley. I'm talking to Ashley. And all of a sudden, Ashley goes, Joe, and holds out his hand. And this man walks up, and I go slack-jawed. I'm like, that is Joe Sackick. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I, But, of course, I put on my professional face because, you know, we're, we're in a professional setting. Um, and they talk for a minute, so I excuse myself kindly from the conversation so as to not intrude. And afterwards, Ashley goes, that's Joe Sackick. And I go, I know that's Joe Sackick. <laughs> I'm very aware. I'm, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I'm very aware that that is Joe Sackick. I've been a huge fan of his my entire life. Um, and so then I was like, you know what? Wow, that was so cool. I texted my family and I was like, guess what? I just saw Joe Sackick. How cool is that? My parents were like, wow, look at how awesome that is. And then flash forward to the next intermission. I'm getting coffee. Joe Sackick is getting coffee. And I was like, this is my shot. I have to. So because it was a moment in which he was just chilling, we were just talking. I just go, 
I'm sorry, excuse me, are you Joe Sackick? And he goes, <laughs> I am. And I go, hi, I'm Samantha. I was born and raised in Colorado, but I'm here now reporting. I'm a big admirer of yours, and I just had to say it. And he holds out his hand and goes, wow, pleasure to meet you, Samantha. I'm Joe. We shake hands. So I have touched the legend that is Joe Sackick. Amazing. We shake hands. Amazing. Um, it was fantastic. And then he was like, so what are you doing here? Where do you go to college? And he asked me all about my life. I asked him Does about Does Joe Sackick life. know what Fordham University is? When you said that, did he yes. give you like the, oh, like, I don't know what that is? Or did he say, oh, like, I he know. He said, what... oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, he yeah, knows. Okay. Joe Sackick knows. He was like, oh, yeah. And he, uh, we actually have mutual friends, I've discovered, because uh, one of my best friends growing up in middle school was uh, his neighbor. Give her a shout out. Claire Crossman, shout out shout to you. Out Claire. Shout out Claire Crossman. Yeah, also shout out Mark Armenta because Mark Armenta told me after the fact that he used to play lacrosse with Joe's son Chase and Joe used to be very, apparently Joe Sackick was a very kind man and I will attest to that because he, Mark, my friend Mark said that Joe would pick him up when his parents weren't able to drive him to lacrosse games and that. would pick him up and drive him around and take him wherever he needed to go. So Joe Sackick is a very kind man, asked me all about my life. I asked him about his. We talked. He was very kind. And then the period started, and he said, it was lovely to meet you. Hope to see you around. And I said, you too, sir. And then <laughs> I walked away. You're never going back to yours. So no, he's, he's, no, it'll never happen again. Oh, but man. you know what? That was the highlight of my year and life, and I promptly texted my father. <laughs> and my dad was my dad's a huge fan, and so he was freaking out. But that's my tale. It was awesome. That was the perfect end to my triple header, and I am back tonight. So it feels I'm back tonight too. We got to wrap this up so we can we can get changed. Yeah. Heck yeah, oh, I know. I came in my clothes. I oh, was like, I go. got the heels in the backpack too. Nice. But yeah, I'm back. I'm at the Prudential Center tonight, 7 p.m. Uh, Winnipeg Jets Devils should be a super fascinating game, especially after they pulled out that win over the Avs last they game. The Avs, which is insane. Which is so insane. It did hurt me a little bit as a born. Yeah, I was Colorado thinking about that because like the Islanders were tied at one. And I was like, oh, God, I sent Sam all the way to Long Island to watch her team lose to the freaking Islanders, <laughs> and then they won. I was going to send you such a salty text. I know, but that's good. Um, I So it's funny that you mentioned Joe Sackick. So the Islanders played in Montreal a couple weeks ago, and Tyler was there, and he texted me and was like, I think that's Joe Sackick. So I was like, yeah, I wouldn't doubt it, like the uh, Avalanche or out east or whatever. Um, and he was like, yeah, that's definitely him. But he never got that opportunity. Like, well, you got it at the coffee machine to say anything you're also out of the five of us you would be the most likely person to, to go up to somebody at a coffee yeah. machine out of me tyler quiggs colin yeah colin i think would do colin it. would do it colin would do it definitely tyler and i certainly would not i was um, just like i can't miss the opportunity no, i gotta do it this is a once in a lifetime situation of course and there was a moment funny story and we'll wrap up moment so the islanders have had a few more scouts at their game recently than yes. um then in the earlier this season of course because we got towards the trade deadline so that happens so the scout row has kind of grown and it's coming up like they're sitting right next to me now and before they were all the way down, obviously with the trade deadline and everything. Um, so uh, there was an L.A. Kings backpack behind me, <laughs> and I thought that that belonged to the guy who was sitting next to me, and somebody called him Robber. Quiggs. Um, somebody called him Robber, and I thought it was Rob Blake, the GM. So we looked up a picture, and it wasn't him. And then I was like, and then Tyler was like, it's definitely Luke Robitaille. I was like, oh my god, is it Luke mm. Robitaille, Hockey Hall of Famer? Wasn't him. He was wearing a Columbus Blue Jackets jacket, mm. which makes it difficult for me, Luke Robitaille, because Luke Robitaille works for the Kings. Wow. Never figured out who it was, because at that point, I just didn't really care. Yeah. It was Luke Robitaille. But Last I time know. I went to an Islanders game before this one, I was in the elevator and I saw two men wearing scout uh, badges, like mm-hmm. they just said scout on it, and I was like, who are these I know. men? Because like I some of them the are like mildly chart. famous, and some of them aren't. Right? So it's tough. Yeah. I just looked at the seating chart, and all it said was scout. Yeah, and I was like, that scout. is not helpful. But you know what? 
I don't know. Good for them. But yeah, meeting Joe is so cool. I've seen some awesome people at the coffee machine. I'm sorry. They were all the players that were scratched one night for some reason were yep. on the press level, just hanging out, getting coffee. And I was just in line next to them. I looked up and just went, okay, and didn't say anything that time. And I regretted it. So I said, next time I saw someone at the coffee machine, I'd do it. And I did. Yeah, I walked oh. past Henrik Lundqvist when he was scratched oh. at the Coliseum. That was pretty Shut cool. Shut up. And, Mar- and I was in the same elevator as Marty Bruder. But uh. that's it. I haven't talked to them, though. You talked to Joe Sack. It's very cool. Um, so that's that's going to do it. Next week we have a remote episode because uh, we're all going to be on, on spring break, um, which is going to be really previewing the trade deadline. Obviously, we did a little bit of that today, but doing it in a much bigger scale next week. And then the week after that, uh, we'll be back with a full review of the trade deadline. Uh, which is two weeks, a week from Monday, I should say, March 21st at 6 p.m. So be sure to lock in. We'll have an episode either Monday or Tuesday, I presume. Uh, recapping everything, who the Islanders sold, who the Rangers bought. Colorado is going to be in the mix. We'll get into them as well. Uh, so a ton to get to over the next couple weeks. Thanks for listening. For Sam Borer and the Abs and Tyler Mooney, uh, I'm Chris Hennessy. We will talk to you next week.